right, uh, I'm going to keep my thoughts this morning kind of brief. Um, John is kind of returning some ideas, and, and, and I felt it just important enough for us to, to kind of land in it for a little while because it's one of those big verses in the Scripture that, that can really um, discourage people, but it's actually an encouragement. So, Will, if you would put the first verse up there. I want to set the context of where we were two weeks ago, and this is 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. God, I want to thank you for your word and thank you that you've caused it to be written. I want to thank you uh, for the love that you have lavished upon us that we may be called your children. And now, Lord, as we sit together as a community, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak into the hearts and to the souls of each person here. That we would be um, released into new life by, by your holy word. And God, I ask that the words of my mouth... The meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So these two verses, we kind of turned over them a few weeks ago. This is about our identity, who we are in Christ, and what a great love he has poured out upon us. He's lavished upon us that we should be called his children, that we are sons, that we are daughters, with all the privilege of being a child of the king. Our name is on the mailbox with God's. Do you understand that we've been invited into his family? And then in verse 2, it kind of presses this a little bit deeper. And it tells us that being part of God's family, there's this not yet aspect to it. There's something more coming because we are his children. And that something is that that we will be caught up in glory with him. That we will not only see Jesus face to face, but we will be like him because we are his children. We will experience that glory. And I believe, I really believe that in that moment, when we see Christ face to face, we are going to begin to understand the depth of our salvation. We're going to begin to understand the the real costs of what it was that that he had given up, that we could be called God's children. You know, I think that's something that we as Christians, all of us, we just, we take that for granted. We take that truth for granted. Even the most, you know, holy of men and women, I, I don't think we even scratch the surface of that understanding of what the price was that we could be called children of God. And so those are the first two verses, and we kind of fleshed those out a little bit, unpacked it. And then it naturally takes us into into verse 3. And so if we can throw verse 3 up there. Verse 3 says this, All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Why don't you let that sit for a second in in your heart? All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Now, if I can just tweak this a little bit, the NIV doesn't do a complete job of translating this. And I would like to put the word 
and in front of the word all. So let's read it this way. And all who have this hope, meaning the hope of verses 1 and 2 that we just read, and all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. See, this verse is connected to verses 1 and verses 2. It's all part of John's continuing thought, what he's trying to get across to the church, what he wants us to understand. And though this is, this is one big thought, verses 1 through three, we see that there's a little bit of a, of a different focus on, uh, on this one as opposed to the first two. Now, now, if I may, I could say that the first two verses, when it talks about God's lavished love and that we are his children and that we'll be caught up in glory, we're going to see him face to face, we're going to be like him, that, that kind of that brings us up to the mountaintop. That kind of just places us up top and places us in our identity, man. And it just, it just feels real good. It's an amazing truth that's set before us. Who we are in Christ. That, should, that alone should lift your spirits because of who you are. Because of Jesus. Not only, do, not only will we experience glory... But even now, as his children on this earth, we get to have a glimpse of it. But then we get to this verse. And this verse can bring us down off the mountain just a little bit. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he, and there's talking about Jesus, just as he is pure. And so this kind of brings us back into reality. See, even though our our identity and our future is assured without question, we're still kind of broken people. We're still kind of these broken vessels caught in a broken world. And and there's all this stuff swirling around us and things are pulling for our attention and things are just trying to distract us from the things of God. I mean, we're still here. Look around. Just watch the news. Just walk down the street and you can see that we live in a culture that doesn't recognize the sacredness of the church, of God's people, because of the spirit of the Lord that lives in God's people. We share his divine nature. You, follower of Jesus, are sacred because of Christ who lives in you. And we live in a world, in a culture that's, that's hostile towards the gospel. And, and That's a little rhyme. Hostile towards the gospel. I like that. That's got to be a t-shirt. Anyway, so, so anyway, so uh, where am I? Okay, so, and, and, but that's okay. That's okay because it just, it just proves what the Bible talks about. That the world is going to hate the gospel because it's truth and it's light and darkness doesn't like the light. And so all of us, all of us, we, um, we live in this tension of being in the world, but not being of the world. And so that's where we are. And so John puts us on this mountaintop, God's lavish love upon you, that you would be called his children, and, and you are his children. And, and what you are hasn't been completely revealed yet, but one day you will see him and you will be like him. You will look into the face of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? You will look into the face of Jesus Christ. And then as we... Enter into this verse, if it's taken out of the context of what it's written, some people say this just takes the wind right out of my sail. I mean, really? Be pure? pure uh, I'll have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure? Just as Jesus is pure, I'm supposed to get to like Jesus? I mean, obviously John hasn't met me. He hasn't met what's in my heart. But let me say this about that, that this verse, this verse is not a bummer. This verse is something 
amazing because it doesn't kick us off the mountaintop. It doesn't throw us over the cliff. It gently takes us by our hand and guides us down off the mountain. It guides us down off the mountain and it brings us into the valley. Dare I even say that the first two verses were written to get us to this place in John's letter. That he wants to set it up so he can bring us, bring us here to this amazing truth. Now, I mean, I know we all love this feel-good sermon. And we all like to leave church and, and just feel like we're going to tiptoe through the tulips and everything is going to be hunky-dory. And we're just, we're just really, really just, wah, you know, I, I mean, I feel real good today. And, and, and we all love those, those mountaintop experiences, not only in life, but in church. But see, we don't get to stay on the mountaintop. See, we have to come down into the valley. John brings us, he leads us down into the valley. Because in the valley is where all the fertile soil is. In the valley is where we can dig in and we can grow. It's in the valley that we can do the work of the soul. And that is an amazing invitation. You should never be scared of doing the hard work of the soul because the hard work of the soul leads us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Christ that we become more Christ-like. And so we have to come off the mountain into the valley, into life, and flesh this thing out. What does it mean to be God's children? What does it mean that we have the hope of glory within us? How do we live into this? We have to put our identity into practice or we've lost our identity it just can't be some some intellectual pursuits rubber has to meet the road and so john writes all and all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure so the 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 simplicity of what he's trying to get to here is this to the degree that you understand verses one and two to the degree that you understand verses 1 and 2. Well, can we put the first? To the, to the degree that you understand this. Just take a minute and read it. All right, now let's go back to the, to, to the next one. To the degree that you understand that is how you will press in and live in this, you see, our faith is about action. James chapter 2, verse 20 faith without works is what? It's dead. Our faith is about action. So no matter how you have received being called this child, received this lavished love, no matter how you, you, you uh, understand, or no, no matter how you know this eternal state, if those truths don't lead you to verse number three, if those truths don't bring you to this place, then you don't understand who you are. You don't understand what it means to be a child of God. You don't understand what it means that you will look Jesus in the face. And John says, and all who have this hope should purify themselves. No, it says we do. All who have that hope, the hope of verses 1 and 2, we will purify ourselves just as Jesus is 
pure. So if you are not living a life that is reflecting Christ into the world, if you are not living a life that is, that is um, practicing and walking in harmony with the things of God, you don't have a behavior problem. You have an identity problem. You have a belief problem. You're not believing in the right thing. You're misunderstanding what God has done for us, to us, and through us. The problem is what you believe about yourself. Man, if you could just see yourself the way God sees you in Christ, I guarantee you would live a much different life. We all would. If you could just see yourself the way God sees you in Christ, your life would be transformed beyond what you could ever imagine. I would say the majority of the church just doesn't understand who we really are. And so the problem I see in the church is not bad behavior. The problem I see in the church is it's wrong belief. It's an identity crisis, not a behavioral issue. See, if we make it about following the rules, and you've heard me say this over and over again, but some of you need to hear this over and over again, and I'm not going to stop saying it over and over again until the Lord calls me home. If we make it about following the rules, setting a standard, getting it right, then we have set each other up for failure. We have set each other up for failure. We are going to, to fail. See, purifying yourself is not... It, it's. It's not about following rules and rituals and standards. And yes, there's, there's an action in this, but, it, but it's not the, the, the main focus. To, to, to purify ourselves is that we would allow the desires of God to manifest inside and change the way we live on the outside. That we would allow the desires of God to manifest in our heart. See, the only way to follow, to live this Jesus life is to understand who we are because of Jesus. We are in the process of sanctification. Big word. means coming. It means the, the process of becoming holy because we are God's children. Because we are his children. Because he loves us. We are destined for glory because we are God's children. And if you don't try to purify yourselves in that light that you are already God's children, you are going to burn yourself out. You're going to walk away from the church. You're going to walk away from the Lord because you're never going to get it right. (laughs) But there's still a a responsibility on our part. You see, when when this life of ours just becomes about changing behavior, then you know what? You become a legalistic religious person and nobody likes a legalistic religious person except other legalistic religious people and they all kind of clump together and then they try to get us people who live in the freedom of Jesus Christ to become legalistic religious people but we don't like them. We cut their ties off at the door and we send them away. You end up thinking that your righteousness is about you. Look at I've done. Look at how I live my life. Look at how how good of a person I am. You see, this, this is not something we engage to become a Christian. This is something we live because you already are a Christian. This is something we live because you follow Jesus Christ. Not to try to follow him. This is already your identity. You gotta get a hold of this. 
You can't work out yourself. You can't work for your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. See, and people sometimes think that. And the only, there's only one problem with that. It's called the Bible. The Bible stands in, sh- in sharp contrast to that. You have been saved by grace through faith. No one gets to brag. No one. By grace through faith. We live a holy life not so that we can get into heaven. We live a holy life because we know that's where we're going. Do you see the difference? Please tell me you do. You do? Thank you, Betsy. There's too many people out there, man. You're sweating the small stuff. You're constantly worried that God is just ready to put a divine whooping on you because you messed up again. And he's waiting for you to mess up again. Because you don't live in the truth that you are his child. Redeemed, holy, forgiven child of God. You don't walk in that truth. And verses like this, they scare you because... Me? Purify myself? Like, really? Uh, too often we read verses like this and we think that, that this is only for the big, the big boys and girls of the faith. Those are for the special Christians. Or when they get really old and they just love everybody because, you know, they have nothing else to do. And, and so, so, you know, that whole, you know, I mean, it's easy to purify yourself when all you do is sit around and, and do nothing, right? No, no, this is not just for those people. We, we, too often we define things like this um, outside of our own reality. I'm never going to be that. I can never live up to that. I can never be like him. I can never be like her. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just average. Man, you have settled for mediocrity and that's not what the Lord Jesus Christ came to give us. He gave us life and life in abundance. Don't settle for it. See, this is for all of us because this is who we are. This is for all of us. This is our identity. It's part of our identity. It's for all of us to embrace and to love and to, to walk in. Not just for the holy people. Because we have the spirit of adoption. We live in this reality that we purify ourselves it's not something for a few. It's something for the entire church. We have been made holy because of the cross of Christ. And see, that there's gospel 101. You have been made holy because of the cross of Christ. And we're invited to live into this reality. And when you fully understand this whole idea of being God's child, this is the kind of life you just naturally live. We can purify ourselves just as Jesus is pure. And there's, there, there is, again, I want to unpack this a little bit, that there is an action to it. We have to work stuff out. We have to walk into this. We have to press into this. It's part of our journey, but that journey is in the context of our identity. You can't separate the two. It's a journey of son. It's a journey of daughter. It's a journey of child redeemed, holy. And John says, now this is who you are. Go and live into this beauty. Go and live into this amazing life that Jesus has for us. Go, move, do something. Paul, Paul says it like this. Look, we put that verse up there in Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, 
There's some action going on there. Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice what it does not say. Continue to work for. There's no for there. It doesn't say continue to work for your salvation. It's already been given to you. It says continue to work it out. Figure it out. Press into it. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's God in us. It's our response to what God is already doing in us. Work it out. It's not working for, it's working it out. And it's from that interior life of God inside of us, inside of us, that we change, that we are changed. We live into the reality of holiness. We live into the reality of purifying ourselves. Next slide, Will. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I want to spend a minute, a few minutes. I want to unpack this idea of purify and and this idea of pure. Because I think think it's important. Because sometimes when we see this word, this idea, I have to purify myself it, it, it's, it seems like a negative thing. It's, it seems like a negative word, but it's not a negative word at all. It's something very, very positive. It's very different in the biblical context and even the, the original language words as say when the Bible says to, to cleanse or to be cleansed. When, when, when the Bible uses that idea, it's something that's very external. Like to, I, I clean the cup, I clean the dishes, I clean my body, I, wash, I clean, cleanse my clothes. It's a very external-minded idea. But when he talks about purifying ourselves, when he talks about being pure, this is, this is something on the inside. This is something that God is doing on the inside. It's an internal posture of the soul. This is about us focusing now our desires on the Lord. And this is about us not um, changing our focus from the sinfulness that we have in our lives. Remember what sin is, putting something other than God first. We begin to desire inside, interior, the things of God and and focus on him. And it's easier that then we can move away from this sinfulness because our, our desire is changed. We're purifying ourselves in the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're looking to the Lord and he is beginning to be our all. He is beginning to be at our every Everything. He is our focus. He is our desire, not the things that the world offers to us, which are so fleeting and so wasteful. To purify ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can stand against the desires that, that distract us from the things of God. And so within me, my desire is to love Jesus and love as he loved. The, the desires within me is to live as Jesus lived and be a light into the world, to walk in God's grace and mercy and to share his grace and mercy. These are, this is what the desire of, of my heart as it grows and it grows and it grows as I focus on the things of God. You know, you know as, I read the, as I read the Gospels, Jesus' one desire was to do the will of the Father. His one desire was to do the will of the Father. And John says, now purify yourselves as he is pure. Allow your desire to be that, that you want to do the will of the Father. 
And so this is about allowing the Holy Spirit to direct your heart and soul to the things of God. And so as you can see, this is no longer about you striving to be a good person. This is, this is not you trying to figure it out. This is not you trying to behave well. This is about embracing the desire that the Holy Spirit has set within you. Loving the light and hating the darkness. That you want with every part of your being to reflect the light of Christ into the world. It's, it's the interior. It's inside of you. John, John says that that's the posture of people who understand what it means to be God's child. That's what's going on inside you. It's about process, though. It's, it's about action. Even the idea of surrender is, is something we, we, we do on the inside. We surrender our heart to the Lord, our desires to him. It takes something in us and from us. Look at First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Reverence, reverence is a posture of your heart, out of reverence for God. This desire that you have for God. In, in Hebrews chapter 6, it kind of talks about the same thing, that we would show diligence. to So the things that we have hoped for would be realized. And then in um, Hebrews 6, 13, it says, don't get lazy. Don't get lazy in your pursuit of the things of God. Don't get lazy uh, and, and not respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. You can ignore the Holy Spirit within you. Don't get lazy. Don't. Get lazy, be diligent, press into it. You know, in chapter 8 of Romans, Paul writes that we have been called to, to be conformed to the image of the Son. S-O-N. The image of Christ. And so this activity of, of purifying ourselves is that we are looking to Him. We are looking to Him for everything. We, if... If God's plan is for us to become like Christ, then we have to know and pursue him so that, that God can bring us along on this journey. You have to, you have to meditate on him. You have, to, you have to get to know him. You have to pray. I mean, there's this, it has to be all about everything. And too often we just give him what's left over. And we walk in defeat and so we are called to be a people that are pressing on towards the mark. We are called to be a people who are we're tugging on the rope, man. We're, we're moving forward in, in, in everything that we have been gifted from Christ. We are people who, who are encouraged to forget about the past. Today's a new day. Tomorrow hasn't even come yet. The past is gone. We can't do anything about it. We forget about the past and we press on. Press on towards the mark. Run a race. Run the way, race well. Look for every opportunity to surrender yourself to be conformed to Christ. You know, one day, one day, we will look at Jesus face to face. One day, we are going to be like him. Oh, the glory. For the children of God. 
as I was thinking through the time of communion today. Jesus, Jesus, in, in the scriptures, he, he says, when you partake of this table, that you would do this in remembrance of me. And, and I know that that's, that's the scriptures, that, that, we would, that we would do this in remembrance of what Jesus has done. But this morning, as you come to the table, not only remember what Jesus has done, but remember who you are because of what Jesus has done. This is, this is an invitation to Dad's table. This is an invitation to Daddy's table. Come and eat, partake. I think we do such a terrible job in evangelical Christianity with a little piece of bread and a cup. Jesus laid out the Passover meal and he invited his disciples, come and eat. And so as we, as we celebrate communion today, remember what Christ has done. But also remember who you are because of what he's done. So you can come as you're ready and take the cup and the bread and, and we will take them together as a community when everybody is received. Lord Jesus, we, we consider all things lost just to gain you. Thank you. Thank you. That through the cross, we are your children. Those who would have faith in you. That through the cross, we would have forgiveness. Those who would put their faith in you. That through the cross we would know life in abundance those who put their faith in you. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks and broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, take this, all of you, and eat it. For this is my body that's been broken for you. And when supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise and gave the cup to his disciples and said, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is a cup of the new covenant. This is my blood which will be shed for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me.
You know, church, my prayer for us as a community, that we would walk in our true identity as God's children. And from living from that place of, of, of our identity, that's when the church goes out and changes the world. See, we don't get to change the world in our own strength because we have none. We don't get to change the world in our own, uh, with our own desires because they're, they're dark. But when we walk in our calling, when we walk in our identity, the community of believers is unstoppable. My prayer is that you would get a hold of this. That you would learn it, pursue it, press into it, live it every single day. Then watch what God does. Just watch. I love you guys. I hope to see you next week. (laughs) 